Well, hello everyone. This is Jessica. And this is Caitlin. And this is the Calling All Spirits podcast. How are you, Caitlin? I hate July 2022 so much. Oh, I know. I'm sure y'all already heard the announcement, um, but I have COVID again. That makes most of this entire month with me being sick. And I don't know if it's COVID rebound or if our lovely spirit guide brought a shiny new variant home from her conference because <laughs> oh, they were back to back infections for me. So I don't know what it is, but it's been more than 10 days and I'm getting rather cranky. Oh, I know. I know. Um, yes, but I think everybody understands we wanted to wait till you were better because this would have been. I mean, it's no fun to record a podcast without your co-host or one that cannot speak. Though, I mean, we could have tried rapping or something. <laughs> we could have. I could have spelled out my entire section of the podcast on the Ouija board. <laughs> that would have taken forever, but it would have been very funny. It would have been. It would have been. But I think this is a much better method of recording. Yes. No. And I think it's a little more engaging for for everybody, too. But yeah, no, it would really help a lot if the second allergies or illness hit, I didn't promptly lose my voice. Oh, my gosh. I know. Because that was just the biggest problem. <laughs> yes. Although I will say something that's sweet that did happen. A friend of mine, to make me feel better, she sent me season one of Dexter's Laboratory and fuzzy animal socks. Oh, that's awesome. Very cool. Random delivery. She messaged me uh, middle of yesterday, actually. She's like, by the way, there's a delivery to make you feel better on your porch because Amazon just said it was delivered. And I was like, oh, my God. Oh. And so Joey grabbed it and he brought it back to me. And it was a stack of fuzzy animal socks that I have been wearing. They are very cozy and I like them. <laughs> oh, that's wonderful. Well, very cool. That's a great friend. Yes. She asked for my address on a joke or something. And I was like, well, fine. Here it is. I had a fever. I wasn't paying attention to reality. <laughs> and I got spontaneous presents. It was very happy to surprise. But um, the most important thing is that even if I'm still testing positive and I'm still locked in my bedroom, I am feeling better. So I'm very happy to see your face, too, because talking to you is not talking to no one because I can't talk to people in my house either. <laughs> oh, I know. I Well, and bless your heart, it's been weird going this long not talking to you because we have texted, but it's been weird not to hear your voice. Like we always just do voice messages. So it's like, oh my gosh, I've missed it. That's true. We usually have like just our entire chat line on Facebook is <laughs> voice recordings back and forth. It makes it awful for being able to search up specific parts of our conversations, but we definitely get a lot more conversating done when we use those recordings and those have not worked. My thumbs have gotten a workout. <laughs> yeah, no, I have not been chatty. I know. I know. Well, and we definitely wanted to get you back for this episode because <laughs> I knew you'd have a lot of thoughts on it. And so it was it was very much worth the wait so we could actually hear you express those thoughts. I'm I'm glad that I got to come and do the episode, especially since I don't think Brie would have the same kind of opinions or insight if we try to sub in the host <laughs> and I I like our podcast I want to be the one who does it oh yeah well absolutely I mean and this is like kind of it's like the trilogy like it's like the third installment so you have to be a part of it it is that is true it would be kind of it would be very much the mummy franchise suddenly we don't have Rachel Vice in the third movie and no one knows why <laughs> <laughs> Wait, that you just start. Wait, there's a third. See, I didn't even know there was a third mummy movie. 
Oh yeah, we don't have Imhotep, we don't have Rachel Vice, we don't have half the cast. It's I don't think it counts. I watched The Mummy and The Mummy Returns and then I stopped. I I guess I did the same cuz you I was like, "Wait, hold up. There's a third one." <laughs> wow. Yeah, no, it doesn't doesn't count. Sorry to Mummy 3 fans. And we wouldn't want to ruin this episode by 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 randomly recasting people. That would be awful. <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. Well, very good. Well, we are glad you are here. And I am glad that you at least don't have COVID. I know. I Knock on every piece of wood in my office right now. I, I know. <laughs> um, I don't want to jinx it. Yeah, no. So far, um, we are good. We are healthy. So I, I really, I can't complain at all. So it's, we've been okay. That's kind of been the funny thing because I have had outside Things kind of driving me crazy. So poor Caitlin just gets like four or five minutes worth of venting on a voice message. (laughs) And then you just have to try to respond by text. Oh, my gosh. It has shortened my opinions and my my rambling advice (laughs) to very short, (laughs) concise sentences. It has drawn me back in. But it was great advice. It, it was actually really good, very thoughtful advice. And then bless your heart, I'd ran again for like another three minutes. And then you'd <laughs> offer words of wisdom. And I'd be like, okay, you're right. You're nicer than me. Fine. <laughs> I'll be nice. <laughs> I still maintain it's not that I'm nicer. It's that I recognize the telltale signs of someone who was being defensive due to background trauma from uh, my world instead of yours <laughs> that's true that is true so i'll keep you updated and now you can actually now we can actually respond with voices i can and we very much appreciate everybody being patient with us as we get into like we said the third installment of our little trilogy <laughs> and you've probably seen the title of the episode so this is the tricks of the seance Y'all remember, or at least we hope you remember, back in the episode, The Art of the Seance, we kind of laid out the environment that spiritualism grew within, uh, at least as far as the Victorian art of mourning, the death of Prince Albert, the American Civil War, and the effects that these big public deaths had on society. And then we also touched on how interest in contacting the dead spiked again after World War One and the 1918 flu epidemic. Well, we have another spike in interest and general social acceptance of mediumship and contacting the dead. And with that comes the same problem that they had back in the day of discerning authentic mediums from fraudulent mediums. And we've actually seen an uptick in these in both of our personal lives, me on TikTok and Jess on Instagram. And with some of her friends, we've been seeing random people reaching out, offering to do readings and contact dead family members and We thought this would be a really good time to give y'all a little bit of a toolkit, or at least some more tools to add to your internal toolkit for being able to tell the difference between someone who is authentically trying to help and someone who is trying to get 50 bucks out of you. And this is not likely to be the last time we covered this topic since we've... (laughs) (laughs) No, I feel like it's, yeah, probably installment one. (laughs) Exactly. Like, we... Well, we can't cover everything in one episode anyway, and even if we tried, we'd for sure miss something. So, like you said, installment one of the Tricks of the Seance. Well, very good. Well, do you, we can dive in. So, just kind of like in the tools of the seance, we are going to tell you about some of those same techniques, but how the more fraudulent mediums faked it, because they couldn't do it with the spirits. So, here we go. We're <laughs> going to dive into... Our first one, which is messages from spirit. So how this worked, there would be a blank piece of paper on a table and a message would mysteriously appear on the paper. 
from spirit. Now, this was really simple to pull off due to something called invisible ink. There were several chemical compounds that could be used for producing invisible ink. One of the books I found had like 12 listed. Not going to do that to you tonight. I'm going to give you three. Now, one of the most popular invisible inks was made from caustic potash. So caustic potash is another name for potassium hydroxide, and it's used, universally used in soaps, detergents, fertilizers. So it was readily available. Um, so what the fraudulent medium would do was they would write on their paper with the caustic potash and when it dried it was completely invisible the message would only appear when exposed to a strong heat and if you think about the light source on the table you have candles which produce heat so once it had that heat from the candles the message would appear and what's really cool is they actually use this was used by spies during world war one so they did the oh, same cool. thing. Yeah. So that was one of the most popular. Now, the next one um, ingredient they used was readily available in your home. You probably have it in your house right now, at least one of these. So they could also get invisible ink from buttermilk or ordinary milk, the juice of lemons, onions, leeks, cabbage, and artichokes. So the juice of all those veggies and the fruit would make excellent invisible ink that once again would appear when exposed to heat. And so that's how it will work. And actually for the milk, they recommended buttermilk over regular milk. They said buttermilk worked a little better. So they didn't say why, go. just that it did. Thank you for calling me out, Caitlin. I didn't look into that. <laughs> Well, I was over here trying to figure out like what it was about artichoke juice that worked because I'd never heard about that one either. So, yeah. No, no. that. Sorry. <laughs> no, I'm so laughing because that's actually a fabulous question. And I'm not sure why, but they just suggested buttermilk over regular milk. And and in my defense, I don't know that it said it in the source. I think it just said buttermilk was best. So I don't know. Try it out at home. Buy yourself some buttermilk or regular milk. See which one works. And again, exposed to heat, it would show up. Now, the last one I'm going to talk about was super popular because you didn't really need much heat. It needed a very little amount for it to show up. And that was copper bromide. So they would use that and it was really effective too. So the next technique is slate writing. So spirit slates were super popular and basically picture a little chalkboard. And the whole theory was that you'd have a slate in the seance and the spirits would write a message to their loved ones, very similar to the paper that we just talked about. Now, there were so many tricks of the trade when it came to the slates. Now, one of the more popular ones was actually where they would have the slate and they would put it underneath the table. And everyone and the sitters would hold the medium's hand. So the medium, there was no way they could write on the slate with their hands, but they could write on the slate under the table with their feet. So they would slip their feet out of the shoes. They didn't have socks or they had holes in their socks and they could write on the slate, which is it kind of grosses me out, but at the same time, it's super impressive. They could write these beautiful messages with their toes. It really is impressive. They're writing not only with their feet, but blind in the dark. Like, my handwriting's functional when I'm writing in the dark, but, like, you can make it left-handed or, heaven forbid, with my feet. That is, 
That is going to be a gibberish. That's a whole other language that isn't decipherable <laughs> by anybody. Exactly. Well, if that wasn't enough, another way they would do it was, once again, their hands were being held. This blank slate would be laying in front of them and they would bend over and they'd either have a piece of chalk in their mouth or they'd pick it up off the table and they would write with their teeth on the slate. Now, this had to be done in a pitch black room. There could be no light source. Otherwise, I mean, it would be extremely obvious what was happening. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> what you want? I mean, did that ever happen to somebody? Like, hey, I can pull this off. But no, it had to be pitch black. But that was another method. So they could write with their toes or write with their teeth. The idea of holding chalk in my teeth makes me shiver. Nope. I don't know. Now, see, the next one, I can't hardly even think about it because it, it gives me goosebumps, but we're going to talk about it. So the next method is called scratching. So with a, so before the seance even begins, with a metal instrument, they made scratches or wrote messages on a slate. And then here was the trick. They got the slate wet. So the slate had to be wet when the seance began because then it you couldn't see the scratches if it was wet. So they would hold it up. Oh, look, it's a blank slate. And they'd lay it down. And as the slate began to dry, that's when these scratches or messages would then appear. So that was another technique. That is crafty. Yes. I do wonder if anyone ever questioned why the messages were being scratched in instead of written on chalk. That's a good point. But I could also see, like, I could also see the medium just being like, oh, what do you, the, you know, like making them sound dumb for asking the question. Like, of course, they would scratch them in. Yeah, no, for sure. I can definitely see somebody coming up with a rational reason for why it was. But <laughs> I feel like that would be the weird random thing that just stuck out to me. I would ignore so many other things, but I'd be like, but why, why didn't they use chalk? I don't understand. <laughs> That's a great question. And then you would have exposed that fraudulent medium right then and there. Because my ADD brain won't process things properly. <laughs> I love it. Now we have two more. And um, this one just kind of cracks me up. But again, in a dark room, I can see how you could do this. So it's called, I called it the slate exchange. So what happens is the medium asks the sitter to put their hands up in the air and they're going to hand them the slate, the blank slate. Well, what the sitter doesn't know is there's an assistant behind them, an accomplice that's working with the medium. So the medium pretends to hand them the blank slate, while at the same time, the accomplice actually hands the sitter a slate that already has writing on it. So they do a little switcheroo. And since they're holding their hands above their head, they can't see it happen. Hmm. And of course, when they pull down their hands to look at the slate, da -da, there's a message on it. So that's that little switcheroo. Now, the last one, I am going to try to explain this, but I'm just going to put it out there. It sounds really confusing when I try to explain it. But if you go on YouTube, there are so many examples of this. And the best one I saw is it was that TV show, The Masked uh, Magician where he exposes all the tricks of the magician. Yeah, I remember him. Yes, he does this trick, and it's brilliant. Okay. So so just go on YouTube, and um, I think if you just search, like, spirit slate trick, you can find it. But what it is, is you'd have two slates. One would be normal, and then one of the slates would have a secret 
kind of front panel. So it had like an extra piece of slate on top and you couldn't tell it. And one side of that little panel would be blank and on the back side it would already have writing on it. So the uh, medium would take the two slates, put them together and turn them over. When they turned them over, that kind of false front would fall into the regular slate and ah, when they opened them up, there would be writing. Again, it sounds complicated, but when you see the trick, it makes sense. And I could, I even knew it was a trick and I had to watch it one or two times. I'm like, how did they just do that? So it was (laughs) extremely effective and I can see how people would totally fall for it. So that was kind of the secret panel. And that was the tricks of the slates. Interesting. Yeah. Well, I mean, you've already touched beautifully on how the mediums were pretty much limited in what they could do because their hands were often being held or usually being held by the people at the table. And I know we talked about it in the art of the seance, how you could even do the foot interlocking thing where you're, the inside of one foot touches the inside of your neighbor's foot so that you can't even use your feet in different ways. Right. And with all of the tricks that were to get around it where you're using your feet or you're using different things, things got easier in our opinion. And yes, we talk about things like this a lot. You guys hopefully remember why we started this podcast. <laughs> but with the development of the spirit cabinet, Jess, Jess and I are at a loss as to how this was supposed to <laughs> limit fraud. Because initially, it was simply a curtained off area in the corner of the room where the seance was being held, where the medium was separated from the rest of the group. Mm-hmm. For some reason, sitters believed this made it harder for the medium to fake the signs of the spirits being present. If someone could explain to us the logic here, we'd really appreciate it. Thank you. I, I yeah, I, you're, you're putting them behind a curtain. What could go wrong? Right. They're out of sight. They're out of, out of, <laughs> out, you, you can't see them. You can't feel them. You can't tell anything they're doing. And somehow this is supposed to make fraud harder. I don't, I don't know. And I mean, from there, the development of the fully done cabinet, wherever a medium to sit in, um, that is traced to the Davenport brothers, who we will definitely do a full episode on of in the future. But suffice it to say, when the medium is separated physically and visually, it it's easier to fake things, and even tying them up isn't foolproof. So I don't I don't understand that one. But it's pretty self explanatory how that is the move of frauds, because well, you you aren't being touched or seen anymore, so you can do all kinds of things. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. Okay, so the next one we're going to look at is table tipping. Really popular technique used by mediums, but it was also really easy to fake as well. So the first method just sounds terrifying. It's called the kitchen knife technique. I know. So what would happen is the medium would have a knife hidden up in their sleeve. And so when the medium, so you have to think of a table that kind of has a lip on it. So the medium would put their hands flat on the table And the knife would kind of slide under the lip of the table. So it's kind of like connecting them and locking them in. And so when the medium lifted up their hands, the whole table would lift up with them. Mm. Now, I just feel like that could go wrong in so many ways if you have a knife hiding up your sleeve. Why wouldn't they use just like the handle of a spoon or something? I did hear they could use a fork too, which seems a lot safer. Yeah. They talk about the knife. Now, some ingenious uh, fraudulent mediums had special tools, including wrist cuffs or hooks and so forth. Now, another method, which seems a little easier to me, is called the ring trick. 
So they would either have a nail kind of sticking out from the edge of the table, or I even heard they would have a nail, uh, a little tiny nail in the middle of the table. And of course, if this is in the dark, nobody's probably going to notice this. And they would hook their rings onto those nails. And so when they lifted up their hands, the whole table would come with them. Interesting. So that was another way to do it. Hmm. I can definitely see that one working. I mean, I'd probably snag all of my clothes on it, but I understand that one. That's clever. I know this one. That one kind of terrifies me only because once. Okay, this is kind of embarrassing, but you can't tell me this did not happen to mediums. So I was standing up because I didn't have a full length mirror. So I was standing up on my bathtub, like trying to see what my outfit looked like. And I had my hand resting on the shower, the separate shower. And I jumped down and my ring caught on the shower. And so it jerked my finger and like it nearly broke my finger. And I'm like. I just have a feeling this went bad for somebody. If that happened to me once before. <laughs> it tipped a little too far and it twisted their hand underneath the table. Yes. Yes. Or they just got their hand stuck at some point. I don't know. That's all I can think of when I think of the ring trick. No, I can definitely see that going wrong in at least a few ways. Yeah, you're right there. Absolutely. That had to have happened to somebody. Now, the next one sounds really complicated, but in Dunninger's Complete Encyclopedia of Magic, they actually had a diagram of this. So this was used. So it's like, it's a harness that the medium would wear. And it has a special tool attached to kind of the middle section, where like around where your belly button is. And this was all concealed under a vest. So the special tool would be like a hook. And so I guess if you're starting to stand up, the table will stand up or rise with you. Hmm. It looked super complicated, but apparently it was a... It was a tool they used. The last one's my favorite because it's just the easiest. You just use your foot to lift up the table. Just stick your foot out, <laughs> lift it up, make it move. I mean. That is the simplest by far. I mean, that's just kind of funny to think of this one person, this one fraud is like hooking up this harness and hooks and one guy's like, I'm just going to use my foot. Like, we're fine. <laughs> so that is table tipping. I love it. That's awesome. <laughs> so next up, we have my absolute favorite topic in the world, ectoplasm. <laughs> Wait, for the record, can I just say, for the record, I offered to take ectoplasm. I am so proud of Caitlin for facing her fear. So I just had to put that out there. I, given the opportunity, if I'm the one in charge of this section, I can at least rant about my least favorite parts. Whereas if I was doing it to you, I'd be interrupting a lot. So this seemed more polite. <laughs> <laughs> Out the gate, I want to clarify what we're talking about with ectoplasm. For those of you with experience in biology, we are not talking about the outer layer of cytoplasm in amoeboid cells. We promise that is separate. This is spiritual ectoplasm. And the word is actually Greek in origin. It comes from ectos, meaning outside, and plasma, something that is formed or molded. And in some accounts, it is described as gelatinous. It has been called the connective tissue between the living and the dead, which makes the gelatinous thing fit really well, given where we derive gelatin from. And <laughs> to refresh your memories and spiritualism, ectoplasm is generally said to be formed by a medium when they're in a trance state. The material is excreted. Ugh. A great word that does not make this seem less icky, but it is excreted as a gauze-like substance from any of the orifices of a medium's body, and I do mean any orifices, there are some accounts that may make you uncomfortable. 
And spirits are said to use the substance to overlay or drape over themselves in order to interact with the physical world. And some accounts say that ectoplasm begins clear and almost invisible, but then becomes darker and invisible as the psychic energy becomes stronger. Others say that ectoplasm can develop a strong odor. And according to some mediums, ectoplasm cannot occur in light conditions as the ectoplasmic substance would disintegrate under light conditions. Psychical research Gustav Gailey, who we should probably cover at some point, actually, he seemed really interesting. Uh, he defined ectoplasm as very variable in appearance, being sometimes vaporous, sometimes a plastic paste, sometimes a bundle of fine threads or a membrane with swellings or fringes, or a fine fabric-like tissue. And Sir Arthur Conan Doyle described ectoplasm as a viscous, gelatinous substance, which appears to differ from every known other form of matter in that it could solidify and be used for material purposes. Now, these various textures and descriptions may be due to the energies that are created by the mediums, or it could be due to the different materials they used to fake the substance, because there was a great variety. And we mentioned it last time, but the fake ectoplasm materials is actually why I have such an issue with the topic. <laughs> the one that springs to mind every time, that's why Jess is laughing now, is cheesecloth and egg whites. The idea of pulling cheesecloth out of my nose is gross anyway and uncomfortable, but add the gooey-ness of egg whites and... I, I'm just like, ew, no, I don't, no. I don't need the, the snottiness of the egg whites. I don't like it. No. Others would be a little less gross and use just tissue paper. And I'm honestly surprised no one ever used silk because it's the most ethereal fabric that I can think of for the time. Like, especially if the ends are unhemmed and it's fraying a little bit on the edge. Like, yeah. why are they using cheesecloth when silk is available? That makes so much. I, I'm totally with you. Yeah. I don't understand. And then there are accounts of faces forming within the ectoplasm because, you know, it's being an overlay over the spirit. Mm -hmm. And the pictures that we see of them, they are magazine cutouts and or newspaper cutouts. Like you can see the folds in some of them. <laughs> I know. It's like the world, world's worst goal board ever. Like this is <laughs> yeah. what I aspire to. It's faces in cheesecloth. <laughs> I don't, I don't understand. And even worse, some of them used doll heads to make it look like there were people or spirits coming through. Like, dolls in a seance <laughs> is a hard no for me. Like, yes. like, no. Just no. Oh my gosh. I think of all the people that are terrified of dolls and just imagine it coming out in that form. <laughs> like, no. Like, I know people can say things like they blame movies like Annabelle for why they're scared of dolls. And I'm like, no. <laughs> No, I blame the spiritualists and uh, fake mediums for why I'm scared of dolls. Thank you very much. <laughs> no. No, I totally agree. <laughs> I totally. That's just, that is disturbing. Like, could you not? I, I'd rather have the magazine pictures. Mm -hmm. Like, let's just go back to that. Also, can you riddle me this one? You have, what, just enough light in the room to see that there are pictures in a gauzy fabric? Like, because you have to have some light to be able to see that there is pictures. Otherwise, you're just doing ectoplasm by feel. Well, and that's that's true. And that actually brings up a really interesting point, because for those that produced real ectoplasm, they couldn't have any light in the room because it's it's supposed to be extremely sensitive to light. So that's a good point. If you have a lot of light in that room, that would have probably been a telltale sign. This isn't the real ectoplasm. And then the magazine clippings would have helped <laughs> along. Yeah, no, I'm going to share some of the pictures on our social medias with this episode. They are they are painfully obvious. Like it is bad how clear that it is 
pictures cut out and stuck to cheesecloth. Yeah, because from those, like, um, my mentor that's seen it, it sounds, how they describe it is more like a vapor. Like, it's more like ethereal, I don't know if ethereal is the right word, but more, like, how about we talked about that vaporous, and this is just gross. Like, what you see is just gross. Yeah. I mean, fortunately, none of the pictures I've seen involve the dampness of egg whites. It looks like it's all dry cheesecloth, but... Yeah, it feeling it would feel weird. Yeah. And I don't and like when if you use the egg whites and people are touching them, then they're leaving your seance sticky. Oh, God. And I just had a thought of it's literally coming out of different uh-huh. orifices of the medium. Oh, God. Uh huh. Hey, look, that's uh, the face Caitlin has when uh, she thinks of ectoplasm. I think I just gave you the same problem I have. <laughs> I feel like I'm down with the real ectoplasm. Like the real stuff they talk about, fine. But this cheesecloth, egg white, no. Coming out of mouths and Lord knows where else, no. Oh, literally everywhere no. else. You, you've you read those accounts. I know you have. <laughs> I, have. I, try, I try to block them out. <laughs> and then I bring I them mean, back. <laughs> I will, okay, I will at least give this to the fraudulent mediums. That was some dedication. I will. You were at least dedicated to... To the trick. Fair. I will give you that. <laughs> like That is super fair. If you're pulling cheesecloth out of your nose or somehow pulling egg whites out of your mouth without gagging. What? Like, I, I, I'm, not, I'm still yeah. not going to be happy about you charging people. But honestly, I am impressed at your dedication. <laughs> that would just be more like a display. At the, like, like theater at that point. Like, just come watch somebody <laughs> do that. I mean. That would make a really amazing like college level uh theater performance yes where they do all of the fake things that frauds use to get through a seance but under full light so we can see the cheesecloth coming out of the nose yes i and if you're willing to do that and have be that dedicated like i will pay money to come see it i mean if i was if i was one of those fake mediums i think i would have stuck to the ring trick or the invisible ink (laughs) like i would have I would have stuck with those. Yeah, I would have been the judgy friend who was like, you're doing what now? Why would you use ectoplasm? What is wrong (laughs) with you? You have 400 options and that's what you're going with? I can't be your friend anymore. Bye. No, no, no. 100% agree. Okay, well. So from that, hopefully no one's eating right now. We're going to move on (laughs) to something a little less gross. We should have given a little bit of a trigger warning. We're about to talk about gross stuff. Yeah. But so, sorry. Hindsight and and, uh, apologies for anyone who was daring to try and eat while we were talking. (laughs) I mean, but if, if they've heard our previous podcast about ectoplasm, hopefully if you're a listener, you should have known there was a trigger automatically coming, but... We um we are going to move on to something less gross, and that's music, because mm. music was essential to a proper seance, and um, musical instruments were extremely popular. They'd have them spread about the room or on the table, and some of the more popular ones were tambourines, trumpets, guitars, and so forth. Now, one that I don't know if you were familiar with, I was not familiar with this one, and that's the accordion. Because I I just hadn't heard it used during seances, and apparently it was extremely popular to use an accordion. Huh. And they would place it, they actually said, in a wire cage, or just in a spot that no one could get to that was kind of sealed off. But of course, they would hear the accordion playing during the seance. Now, there was two ways to do this. Kind of like the table tipping, a really complicated way, 
in a very simple way. So the complicated <laughs> way was they'd have an air hose near the accordion. And so when they would pump air into the hose, it would hit the keys of the accordion and make it play. Oh. Yeah. I mean, it's ingenious. I will give them that. Like, super brilliant. But now the simpler version was just to have someone play a mouth harmonica. And it said that in the darkness, you couldn't tell the difference between a mouth harmonica and an accordion. So they would just think the accordion was playing. Once again, why you have to have this in a very dark, dark room. Can't have a lot of light. No, for sure. And yeah, I'm with you. I've never heard of them using the accordion before. But given that the accordion is technically a wind instrument, that makes sense. Yeah, it was it was news to me, but very cool. Now, the next one I had heard of, this one's pretty popular, and it's when you take a bell and you put it under glass. I also heard you could put it under a little wire cage, but I always heard it under glass. Yeah, I usually hear that too. I know. It's just, I don't know. I like that a little better. And of course, during the seance, the bell would ring when no one could possibly be touching it. This was a really simple trick to pull off. Either they would have an accomplice And they would be ringing a bell, or if it was just the medium, they would have a bell hiding under the table, and they would ring the bell with their feet. They were really good with their feet back then. They they would have a whole new demographic or revenue source on the internet these days. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) They would. Oh, my goodness. To add to that theater performance you were talking about, I would love to have the table with, like, no tablecloth. So, like, what all do they have going on yes. under this table <laughs> that would be so cool this absolutely needs to happen i don't know who's involved in the theater at their local universities but somebody make this happen and then make sure we can go see it yes absolutely so that was the bell under glass and they would even sometimes go to the detail of slightly muffling the bell so it wasn't so loud so it did kind of sound like it was ringing from under the glass Um, Now, the last instrument we're going to talk about is a violin. They would have a violin laying on the table, and they would have a resin thread that would lay across the violin, but then it would also hang, the thread would continue off and hang off the edge of the table. So what they would do, someone would just pull on that thread, and it would sound like the violin was playing on its own, Mm. but it's just somebody pulling the thread from under the table or I mean if you're catching on a lot of these mediums had accomplices oh yeah like they had other people helping them oh sorry we do have one more oh my goodness I almost forgot the spirit horn which how do you forget the iconic I I don't know because yeah it, it was one of the most popular tools used in seances so with the spirit horn it would help amplify the voices of the spirits Now, again, there were a couple of ways you could do this. You could have an accomplice that would speak into the spirit horn. Um, Sometimes if they couldn't be near the actual horn, they would actually have kind of a hose running to the end of it and they'd speak through the hose and it would come out the (laughs) horn. Um, But they would also put not only the spirit horn, but any of these other instruments, they would sometimes have them hooked to wires or just like fishing line. Oh, sorry. The Texan girl. I always said line. <laughs> I can't say that one. Oh, it gets me every time. It's not fishing line. It's fishing line. I know. And I even concentrate on it and it still comes out that way. <laughs> it's all say fishing wire. 
Anyway, they would have it attached attached to wires, and so then they could also make the instruments float. So basically, you've got someone. It's not a fishing pole, but that's how I picture it. Like a fishing <laughs> pole with these wires, and they're just raising these instruments up and down during the seance. And people bought it, but also they're in a dark room. They can't see. They don't see the wires. They just see these instruments magically rising up in the air. Yeah, I feel like that's another situation of dim lighting rather than complete darkness. Yeah. Yeah, I guess you would have to have it. And even in just a dimly lit room, you could pull that off. And um, that kind of that at least comes to my last trick to share tonight. And it goes right along with this because not only are they making these instruments float up in the air, they could also make the ma- ghosts that manifested float up in the air. Now, these spirits were constructed usually of wire and cloth. Um, I've even heard of a balloon, like painting a face on a balloon. <laughs> <laughs> and they would paint these spirit faux spirits with luminous paint so they would glow in the dark and they would be controlled by wires. I even saw a diagram for this really technical like pulley system so they it's like they could pull them into the room and pull them back i mean they some of these some of them got so elaborate it's just really it's it's actually kind of impressive in a weird way like but also not because they were charging people so not cool there but so they could also manifest the spirits in the room as well yeah i think once again we need to like send these people back to the theater so they can work on the special effects crews Rather yes. than conning people out of their money. Agreed. That would be perfect. Where was, where was, that was around Miss Emma. It wasn't around. Hamlet having to deal with his dead father has been a thing for centuries before this. Like, we have, we have the theaters well established in need of special effects. Misdirected enthusiasm and creativity. Yes. And they could have been doing it legitimately and entertaining audiences that knew oh it, it's kind of like darn it you you could have had a career in this and instead you went the con artist route yeah it's a, it's a classic problem of using your powers for evil instead of good there you go we just yeah there you go uh, all right so we're actually going to shift modes and we have a set of techniques that were used in the victorian period and pull through to now we have the basic con application of cold reads kind of like playing poker you're reading the expressions on the people you're dealing with but instead of it being you know your weekly poker game where you know tommy's tells you're doing it cold and without any understanding of the person you're dealing with a good way to trigger these expressions or at least get the conversation going one of the techniques is called shotgunning or barnum statements like barnum and bailey kind of (laughs) over the top (laughs) But the effect is basically there's scattershot statements that could apply to almost anyone. Like, I sense that you have boxes of unsorted photos in your home. Or you had an accident as a child involving water. You have unresolved issues with a friend or a family member. Like, these are, these are things that apply to basically anyone. Mm-hmm. And they'll often, even if it doesn't quite fit or you don't quite get into it, they'll be done in a rapid fire kind of way where if they say 15 things only four of those will be accurate and they hit but because of those four that hit and because of how quickly they condense the conversation the other 11 that didn't quite hit or were complete misses don't sit in your brain the same way oh 
okay. Another technique is called the rainbow ruse. It's a contradictory statement that can also apply to anyone. Uh, Something like, I feel like you're prone to being outgoing when you get a burst of energy, but you also really value your solitude and prefer to be left alone at times. Like, if you're an introvert or an extrovert, that fits. Right. If you're an extrovert, then obviously the prone to being outgoing totally fits, but you will occasionally value your alone time. And if you're an introvert, you will only get those outgoing bursts when you get the burst of energy and you really value your alone time. Like, where you sit on the spectrum, they don't figure that out for you, you're filling in that blank for them. Oh, okay. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. It's been done in some really bad, um, really badly done horoscopes too. I think, I know it was BuzzFeed, but I can't remember how long ago it was. It's probably like 10 years ago. They did a confirmation bias experiment with some of their staff and horoscopes where uh-huh. everybody, it was like five or six people, they were all born at different parts of the year and they all got the same horoscope. Yeah. And they were like, yeah, no, that totally fits me because it all <gasps> had rainbow ruse style contradictory statements that fit just about anybody wow that's really interesting it's a really solid technique when you're trying to con people (laughs) (laughs) Um, another technique is basically i mean you've already seen a little bit of evidence of that but the the sitter or the audience doing the work for you like you're filling Mm. in the blanks for the medium another thing that happens a lot is things like when they throw out a number and asks what it means to you Like, what does the number five mean to you? How does the number 13 fit into your life? I mean, it's a number. Give me five minutes and I'll find a way for it to fit. (laughs) Right, right. And I know that some mediums do occasionally have that come up where they're like, I'm I'm getting the number three and they won't drop it. And I don't know why. Right, right. And so this by itself is not a red flag. But if you add it to a bouquet of red flags, like Mm -hmm. maybe you don't believe what they're saying. Yes. And then with a description like cold reading, there's got to be something like hot readings too, right? Right. And if cold readings are when you're reading somebody cold without any preparation, what do you think a hot reading will consist of? Ooh, I would think that's when you've already done your research. Exactly. (laughs) It is when they dig into your background. They found evidence of this in some of the really popular TV mediums in like the 90s and stuff where even if you were just buying a ticket to the show, your credit card information would have your address so they could like Google where your area you lived in. Oh. But with the advent of social media, hot reading is so easy. Yeah. Like you have all of your stuff just out there where... Back then they were like, yes, I see a house with a tree out front. Okay, that's impressive. But now they're like, yeah, I'm sensing recently you had a big blow up with somebody in your office (laughs) because you posted all over Facebook about it. Right, right. So yeah, no, the the hot readings are getting easier and easier with what we put out there. And so that's kind of circling us back to why we were wanting to do this episode sooner than later, because if someone's reaching out to you on Instagram, they've seen your Instagram. Yes. It's something to definitely be aware of in a lot of ways. Yes. Well, and that's a really good point about Instagram. And and we want to put this out there just because a medium or a tarot reader has an Instagram account. Hello, I have an Instagram account. <laughs> that's not a red flag. What we're looking at, and I've experienced this myself, and I've had some friends reach out because they're getting the same messages. It's when, I, what what I've seen is, is tarot readers but it's when they reach out to you, you have no idea who this person is. You've never been in contact with them before. And it's like, oh, I I, I feel drawn to you. I feel like I need to offer you a reading and blah, 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 blah. And then they're going to charge you for it. 
that's what that's a red flag right there that's what we're talking about when you don't even know who this person is yeah and, and i've been seeing that i showing up more and more and what's really bad is they are the ones that are creating the fake accounts based on real people like real readers and so and so just watch for that um because they are doing a lot of fake accounts i wish i had saved an example of this because i got one not too long ago and I knew it was fake. I knew it was some a fraudulent account. And so I just wrote him back like a really nasty message of taking advantage of people and being con artist. And then I deleted it. But I should have saved it for this episode to see what, because I feel like the message is always the same about being drawn to you. Yeah, they, they, oh, that word is used so often. Like that alone is darn near a trigger word for people. Like if you hear that, Pay closer attention to what they're saying and uh, how they found you. Because like Jess said, there are all kinds of really great mediums and psychics that use social media because that is our that is our world now. Like there's no way to yes. get around that if you want to have a valid business. But there's a different way of going about doing it that you'll notice if you start kind of or if you've been looking into mediums online, you've probably already noticed this. The The way they arrange their page is different and the way they dialogue with people is very different mm -hmm. than if you're a fraud reaching out to make a quick buck. Yes, because like me as a tarot reader, I have an Instagram. I would never just reach out to people. I have no idea who they are and be like, I feel drawn to give you a reading. Do you want to read? The real, we will never do that. We will never reach out over like messages to offer you readings or say we're drawn. That's not how we work. Now, if I know someone, like if, if I know someone, I'm friends with someone, that it's different when you already have a relationship with these people. That's, that's kind of a different story, but we're talking about people you don't know who they are and they're just reaching out to you all of a sudden. Especially if they're charging you, especially if they're going to charge. So yeah, red flag and in modern day things to watch out for. Something else that I think is a big red flag is when they f want a lot of information. So when you go to a medium, psychic, reader, it's perfectly fine to ask for your name, I think. Some may even want your birthday. And then, I mean, they may just generally be like, how are you? Like, hey, nice to see you. Hope you're having a good day. Yeah, I'm definitely the person who forgets that I'm supposed to be like, you know, professional. I'm like, how are you today? Well, if I was doing well, I wouldn't be here has been an answer I've gotten before. <laughs> and I'm like, fair play. I'm sorry. Let's start. Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, other than like your name, maybe your birthday and just a general, you know, thanks for booking a reading. We don't, the real authentic medium psycho we don't want any information we don't even want to know what's going on in your life because then we're not going to do as good of a job reading for you and the best way I can explain this to people is think about if you had a best friend who just started dating someone new and they want you to meet this new person and just they want your honest feedback your first impression and on the way to meet them they're like, well, this new person is terrible. They're awful. I kind of think they're cheating on me. They're not the nicest, blah, blah, blah. And then they then they say like, okay, so what's your honest opinion of them? Well, you're already going to be biased. You're already going <laughs> to hate this new person. And that's what happens to us as a reader. If you tell us everything, what are we going to tell you back? Like, we're going to be biased. I had this with us, and obviously I won't use names for confidentiality, but I had this with a client once. And so 
The only thing I will let people tell me in the beginning, sometimes I ask if there's a specific area they want to focus on and it's, it's, and they can't say more than like career relationship. I don't let them tell me anything else. So I just said, is there a specific area you want us to look at? And she said, relationship. I said, great. I start shuffling and I kid you not, Caitlin, she's like, yeah, because I'm dating this new guy and I kind of think he's cheating on me and we've been in this relationship and blah, blah, blah goes on for like three or four minutes and tells me their whole story. And I'm like, okay, well, and then she's like, what do you think? And it's like, well, me, Jessica says you need to leave him immediately. Right. But it's like, I'm already biased now. You've already told me all this stuff. So, so that, that's a red flag. Oh, so it's a good sign if you have a medium or sitter that doesn't want to know we anything in advance. If you have a medium or psychic, he starts asking you a lot of questions like, what do you do for a living? Are you married? Do you have kids? Blah, 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 blah. If they start asking you a lot of questions, red flag. Immediately a red flag. Because they are fishing for information from you. So. They are that. trying to avoid the cold read because it's hard. <laughs> yes. Yes. And also, I think a tr- a, an authentic one sh- when we read, we, I, I don't know about you, Kaylin. I want either yes, no, or I don't know. I don't want any more information after that until the very end of the reading. Because I don't want you feeding me info. So if they don't mind you telling your whole life story, eh, or if they ask you more details on your whole life story, that would be a red flag. Until the very end. At the very end, if you want to tell them everything, fine. But that's when the reading is, is over. That's when it's done. I, I really can't argue with anything you just said because um, <laughs> like the only slight alteration I have is mm-hmm. because the cards I use are so open to interpretation. Mm-hmm. Once in a while, if somebody gives me like a, I think so. And like, I can kind of, mm. I can feel the vibe and I'm like, okay, I'm really close. Right. And I, I mean, it, it comes across as a cold read if you break it down, but I'm like, I know there's a way to describe this card um, that has more information on it. So I'll often even grab the book out and I'll pull more from the page mm-hmm. to explain um, or give better words for what I'm talking about. Because, I mean, that's why we have clarification of terms in this podcast is because who we know that words mean different things to different people. So right. um, pulling more words out of what the card is supposed to mean often will help if I can tell that I'm vaguely in the neighborhood, mm-hmm. so to speak, of what um, the message needs to be. But that's usually when I'm having a uh, day like today where I'm like, I can't think straight and my messages are coming out as gobbledygook. No, but, and I, you know what? I, yeah. I'm glad you made you, you talked about that because I don't think that there's anything wrong with that. And I think it happens to all of us. I, I think yeah. we all have moments like that. Um, so, no, I'm, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that either. And, and And sometimes even the best medium, the best psychic, they can be off their game some days. Oh, yeah. And but usually they'll be very honest and be like, you know what? I may not be the right person for you. A, a, a good one will be very honest and upfront and in about it. And and I, I've had to do that once. I was really sick. I took a reading I probably shouldn't have. And I was super on the client wasn't upset, but I was upset because I hadn't done my very best I could do. And it was like, here, let's come back and try this again. So yeah, I mean we all, just like anybody, you can have an off day every For now sure. and then. And fortunately, in that one, I was only having a moderately off day. And the um, and the sitter was 
very they were very understanding so it happened like within the first couple minutes of the reading and then like from there i was like okay i found my grounding and i was able to go with it and we actually had a really good reading but in general though like to flip that around the reading that i'm proudest of was actually for another reader Mm -hmm. and she sat down and she was stone-faced like (laughs) oh those are tough i've got more emotion from gargoyles at catholic (laughs) churches like she sat down she's like yeah i'm a reader too and then she asked me to read for her and i was no idea if i was hitting the mark at all the entire session and then at the end i was like 10 minutes later she was like you know what a lot of that resonated with me thank you very much for your time and i was very proud of myself because i'm like i had nothing from you but i did a good job yes (laughs) so like not for nothing the flip side to you know feeling like you need to give us feedback is sometimes we're even more proud of ourselves and we're happier when you don't yeah no i Ooh, good for you because I've had a few of those like the stone face and in your head the whole time you're like, is this a disaster? Do they hate me? Is this going badly? But yeah, you're it's amazing when they're like, nope, all that resonated. It's like, oh, could you give me just a little smile? Give me any nod of encouragement at any point would have been amazing. But as it is, I got all of it at once at the end and I'm going to ride this high for at least five minutes. Absolutely. No, that's great. Oh, oh, the last thing. Okay, so this one I just really wanted to share because I was watching a TV show and recently or rewatching it's an old reality show i will not share the name <laughs> because i don't want y'all's judgment on my choice of reality tv show well, we already know you watched the real housewives I so know. how much worse Surpr- can it get no i have seen one or two rough mediums on there i i have seen that for my real housewife fans out there shout out real housewives beverly hills the dinner party from hell <laughs> that's all i'm gonna say you will know what i'm talking about <laughs> But um, no, it was not Real Housewives. It was a different show. And I just happened to be rewatching it the other day and they had a medium on and I was like, oh my goodness, this is the textbook example of a fake medium. And so (laughs) I typed, I mean, I'm paraphrasing a tiny bit, but I basically typed out what was said in this seance. And for this medium, I am going to say in quotations, seance. So I just had to share it. So here we go. So the medium sits down. And ask the group, have you ever felt something that was uncomfortable in any way? Who here sees things more than others? Can you tell me what you see? By the way, they thought their house was haunted. So basically just asking, what are you seeing? Who sees it more? So one of the sitters says, I saw someone in my room. Then the medium goes, was it male? Sitter, no. Okay, so it was a female. And the sitter's like, yes, it was. So then the medium goes, was she younger or older? <laughs> the center's like she was middle-aged. And so then the medium, I kid you not, like closes her eyes like she's going into a trance. And she's like, yes, I am picking up something about a female in this home who has passed. She is a little older than middle-aged, but it happened before the beginning of time. I'm sorry, what? what? But I just what? love, like... She's just like older, younger. I'm surprised she didn't ask more questions. Like blonde wow. hair, dark hair. Yeah. And so she's like, yeah, I pick up a woman. N- Duh. Anybody would pick up a woman at that point. They gift wrapped that part for you. Of course you picked it up. <laughs> so that when we talk about a fraudulent, that is the textbook example <laughs> of what we are talking about. It's a case study. Shoot. (laughs) (laughs) 
really, it really, like if I wasn't scared of copyright, like I would tell you what show, but it is a, yeah, pure case study. And then at the end, I felt bad for the people that brought her in. So like, that was a little disappointing. We didn't get much information. No, no, you didn't. You got nothing out of that. Which I think that's why those of us like you and me who are authentic and especially like taking all these classes, why we have to work so hard and even get so much detail. Like my mentor can tell you the name of the street, their first pet. I mean, they can tell you so much. So if I say like, I have a grandmother in spirit and describe her, she loved to cook. Well, I better name her favorite dish on the planet and how she prepared it and how many grandkids she had. And I mean, we have to get so specific now because just saying I have a grandmother here and that doesn't cut it anymore. So it's like we have to work so hard at this of the frauds out there. So gosh, darn it. Yeah. And you basically summed up why I don't actively work as a medium because I can (laughs) tell they're in the room and I can tell you that they're (laughs) mad. But I could not tell you other than vaguely what time period they look like. I got nothing else. Don't know their name. Don't know their background. I can often tell if they're part of a family. Like if they were only children or if they had like siblings and stuff. But like actual factual details, like nope. 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 No one would believe me ever. Yeah. Names are hard. And and also, I want to put that out there. If you go to a real medium and they don't automatically get a name, that is not a red flag. Some mediums are amazing with names. Some are not. Like, and and I'm one of those that's not always that great with names, but I sure can tell you quite a bit of detail about them and maybe even their favorite TV show or their favorite musician, but um, we don't always get names. So just don't take that as a red flag. <laughs> no, I mean, or like, or take it as a potential red flag, but the key is, it's kind of like in relationships. We'll pull it back to your example. Yeah. One red flag isn't necessarily enough to end a relationship. It's when you get yes. several of them or because something yes. isn't sitting right within you. That's when you look at the exit strategies. And I do mean exit strategy because I know it's hard for a lot of us. Um, kind of like when you go into a restaurant and you don't feel comfortable or it smells bad or the waiter hasn't gotten to you in 10 minutes and you just sat down and no one's talked to you. You are allowed to leave. Yeah. Like, this is your reading. This is your money. If you sit down and they start throwing up one red flag after another, leave. Pack up your stuff and go. Like, unless you're a regular at the store or the space and you later have to explain why you left, you don't have to account for yourself. You can also just say personal emergency. You you can lie to get out, too, which is terrible. Like, I don't want to say, I don't want to encourage people to lie, but kind of like, getting out of an unsafe situation like you your money is important and it is a measure of how much you value the reading and if it's if you're getting all of the signals internally that it's a fraud and they're throwing up obvious red flags call it off yeah and don't be scared to do that or don't be scared to say something because if they are authentic they they want you to be comfortable with your reading and they will be the first to admit, you know what, I may not be the right medium or psychic for you in a nice way. I don't mean that in a bad way because they want you to have a good experience. But I think you'll be able to feel it out. I, it, it's pretty easy to feel out when you have someone that really cares about spirit, cares about healing, 
and and their heart is in the right place and when you have someone that it's not it's really really easy to feel asking around word of mouth is a valid thing i mean it's harder when you're isolated and you don't have a lot of people around you that are in this world but finding a local metaphysical shop or finding one online that you like the reputation and you trust their ethics Ask them if they have any recommendations, especially since so many are working online anyway. If you live in Boise, Idaho, and you get a recommendation for somebody in South London, they might be doing them over Zoom now in a post-COVID world because we are all online so much. So don't be afraid to ask for recommendations or references if someone's like, yeah, I have this great medium, you should go talk to her or him or them. You can you can ask around other than the person who gave you the recommendation. Ask for references. What kind of work do they usually do? What kind of readings do they usually give? You you can ask questions. It is allowed and in fact encouraged. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think that's a great suggestion to start at a metaphysical store or or ask people in the area. That's how I found one of my mentors. She moved to the area. Some people had had some amazing readings with her. I went myself. And let's say, because I know I'm from a little tiny town that has no one and no metaphysical store, online resources like Arthur Finley College has some amazing mediums that they work with, and they have a lot of Zoom, the journey within. So if you find some reputable websites and sources, that can also lead you to some really amazing teachers or, I mean, in mediums that also offer readings. So the internet can be very helpful as well. Absolutely. Well... This was, I, I love how our spirit guide was like, this is going to be a tricky episode. Um, but this was <laughs> No pun really intended. Fun. No <laughs> pun intended. But it was really fun. I love talking about the old tricks that they would use because I just think they're fascinating. And modern day things to watch out for because we want you all to have an amazing experience because a tarot reading or a mediumship reading can be so encouraging. It can be healing. Like they can really be a wonderful experience. I, I want everybody to have that rather than the negative. Agreed. Well, I mean, I do want to thank everybody again for bearing with us as my voice comes back online because we weren't able to record when we normally do. So we appreciate y'all's patience and waiting this week's episode coming out a little bit late. And if it was worth the wait for you, please do us a favor and leave us a rating and a review wherever you listen to us. If you haven't yet, please hit subscribe so that you know when we release new episodes. And if we have any delays, you're in the know. Absolutely. And we want to hear from you, of course. So let us know what you think about this episode. Maybe even if you have any questions or follow up. And if there's any other spirited topics you want us to explore in future episodes, you can find us on Instagram or Facebook at Calling All Spirits Pod, or you can email us at Calling All Spirits Pod at gmail.com. And if you're feeling lucky, I mean, you can try one of the tricks that we talked about today, but I mean, we've already established that they don't work. So maybe <laughs> go back to the tools of the seance episode and pull one of those options. Although I will tell you right now, if you use ectoplasm to contact me, I will find you and make you regret your life choices. <laughs> and she is not kidding. <laughs> don't do it. <laughs> I love it. Well, until then. Bye, everybody. Bye.